0: Folks, your favorite president is back on the app, and the countdown to the implosion of his own social media platform, Truth Social, has begun. But we may have to wait just a little while for the full breakdown to occur, because Trump is still contractually obligated to post on Truth Social before anywhere else. And we'll get to that in a second, but let's all give the best slash worst poster in history a warm welcome back to Facebook and Instagram, everyone, and of course a belated how do you do, to his recently reactivated Twitter account, which he has simply refused to utilize, much to the presumed dismay of Twitter's very online CEO, Mr. Tweets
1: himself. He's under contract, but of course Elon doesn't understand what
0: those are. He doesn't know what a contract is. He's under contract to post exclusively to truth, but he can, much like with the Elon jet, Trump can post his truths on Twitter after a grace period.
1: It's just not the same.
0: Well, that's, that's true for sure.
1: I respect his commitment to his craft mm-hmm. posting and knowing that uh, delivering his fans a subpar recycled product would, uh, you know, would be just not up to his level of his standards. And also uh, the facts could be
0: refuted with the amount of time that lapses in between his truth posts and his Twitter posts right. and also Twitter has that pesky bird watch. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we should also point out that just because Facebook and Instagram's ban on Donald Trump has been lifted it doesn't mean he's actually going to utilize those platforms in any meaningful way. It just means he's unbanned and he's free to post if he wants to, Mm -hmm. if he's allowed to. Though after what we assume was an important learning lesson in escalation and incitement, the platform's parent company, Meta, has added new uh, guardrails to the platforms that they hope will deter repeat offenses, which sounds a whole lot like you know, they're, they're taking away my freedoms. But it, it's also essentially toothless, considering most boomers have about four or five alt accounts that they can fire up when one gets suspended. Yeah. Because if they stop being mad for 30 minutes, they will die. Their blood pressure will drop below mm-hmm. uh, safe levels. And they'll start shaking. The rage is the only thing keeping them alive. They need yeah. to be able to browse Facebook 18 hours a day and find something new to be mad at Constantly, I or, do, or it's death. I do wonder
0: if there's like a data point somewhere that where meta can be like, actually banning people saw a giant surge in new users to the platform. And with no other context, we're just going to go off of that Uh, but it's actually just because people getting banned just created multiple burner accounts. Yeah. But look, this is a lose-lose for Meta. A ton of people are going to be pissed about this, and the rest are going to be even more upset that Trump's previous actions laid the groundwork for uh, potentially new and more restrictive policies. Uh, And that policy appears to mainly be focused on public figures and politicians. But much like their uh, uh, incessance that I'm just a, a future millionaire, so I have to look out for the other millionaires out there, Uh, A lot of the people there are obviously future politicians and public figures, so this actually does affect them. But uh, when Meta loses, we all win, so fuck them. Here's the update from Meta regarding this decision, and then we'll get into how funny this is for anyone stupid enough to have invested in Truth Social when it launched. Uh, Here's some snippets of the full statement, which is way too long and you can read in the description below, but this is from uh, Meta's President
1: of Global Affairs. Not my president. Two years ago, we took action in what were extreme and highly unusual circumstances. We indefinitely suspended then-US President Donald Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts following his praise for people engaged in violence at the Capitol on January 6th, 2021. They consulted an oversight board who agreed with the suspension but uh, said that leaving it open ended was a mistake. Uh, The statement continues, In response to the board, we imposed a time-bound suspension of two years from the date of the original suspension on January 7th, 2021, an unprecedented length of time for such a suspension. We also clarified the circumstances in which accounts of public figures could be restricted during times of civil unrest and ongoing violence and introduced a new crisis policy protocol to guide our assessment of on and off platform risks of imminent harm so we can respond with specific policy and product action. Uh, then goes into whether or not Trump
0: still poses a direct and immediate risk to public safety, and they decided that, no, everyone cares about sexy M&Ms now, no one's paying attention to Trump, turn the account back on. Let him cook. Yeah. (laughs) Quote, Our determination is that the risk has sufficiently receded, and that we should therefore adhere to the two-year timeline we set out. As such, we will be reinstating Mr. Trump's Facebook and Instagram accounts in the coming weeks. However, We are doing so with new guardrails in place to deter repeat offenses. Like any other Facebook or Instagram user, Mr. Trump is subject to our community standards. In light of his violations, he now also faces heightened penalties for repeat offenses. Penalties which will apply to other public figures whose accounts are reinstated from suspensions related to civil unrest under our updated protocol. In the event that Mr. Trump posts further violating content, the content will be removed and he will be suspended for between one month and two years, depending on the severity of the violation. Uh, I would assume that he's not going to learn from his past mistakes and that just giving him uh, maybe a one month timeout uh, that escalates into another two years, only going to upset him more.
1: They're giving him just enough rope to uh, hang himself. Yes. Anyway, I don't know about you, but we are already exhausted thinking of Trump posting and then people screaming about how he's being silenced or something, despite him literally doing what everyone said he should do in order to avoid moderation, which is start his own social media platform. He's already done He did the the thing. So how is Truth Social doing? Um, Well, based on Trump's lack of engagement on Twitter, where he has been unbanned for weeks, months, I'd say, so far it appears to be doing okay, meaning at least Trump is still using it, Yeah, Truth. But with the social media landscape opening back up to him, will he be tempted to post where more people can see it? Mm. You know, these people that get off on their haters engaging with their content, not just their fans.
0: They were like, "Start us!" everyone was like, okay, cool, now we have a place where a completely unfiltered free speech platform, uh, which turns out not very free speech friendly at all, but also just an echo chamber. For people who already like Trump. So there's no uh, fighting or trolling or anything, which is what really gets them
1: off. If you fire off a hot take in the middle of the woods and no libs are owned, did it really happen? We don't know. So, yeah, uh, he's probably going (laughs) to not, he's probably getting off truth at the first opportunity. Yeah, Um, the first
0: legal opportunity. Yeah,
1: but he's currently unable to do so in a meaningful way because he is contractually obligated to post on truth social yeah
0: and it makes sense because he's literally the only reason that anyone would sign up for the platform and we're sure that if he does return to other platforms truth will very very quickly die out leaving a bunch of investors holding the bag on a failed investment as is tradition i mean who could have possibly seen that coming it's almost like every single company with trump's name on it has failed or been a complete fraud that only benefits the trump name Uh, Here's an article from Rolling Stone with more on what appears to be an inevitable transition. When Trump first founded Trump Media and Technology Group, TMTG, he agreed to a social media exclusivity term that required him to first channel any and all social media communications to his Truth Social account for six hours before posting the content to other platforms, according to SEC filings. So there you go. Six hours. Okay.
1: But a lot can happen in six hours,
0: and he still, uh, even with it only being six hours, hasn't posted. He hasn't posted to Twitter at all. Yeah, uh, his last post is from January twenty twenty one. So even he's like, not unless I can do it at the at my
1: whims. Yeah, like I said, yeah, he wants he wants to deliver the best tweets, not some nasty leftovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, The reporting continues, Since late last year, former President Trump has informed several people close to him that he doesn't want to re-up the exclusivity agreement with his social media company, Truth Social. Two sources familiar with the matter tell Rolling Stone. There's not going to be a need for that, is how one of the sources recalls Trump describing his (laughs) soon-to-expire contractual obligation.
0: Not going to be any need for that Not going to be any
1: need for that. The 18-month term of that requirement is up in June, right as the Republican primary is expected to begin heating up. After that... Trump's exclusivity term would automatically renew for six-month periods unless notice is given. Hmm. In the event his exclusivity term expires, Trump would still be required to post contemporaneously to Truth Social. He said there's an expiration date and that he didn't want to make commitments, the other source says. And the best part is that everyone loses in this situation. you love it. yeah. Uh, Mainly the people who invested not only their money, but their time and careers and... um, respect into Trump's social platform. Looking at you, Devin Nunes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the general consensus online appears to be tepid at best, and with Donald Trump's main opponent coming from his own party, it be your own party sometimes, it be your own state sometimes, yeah. this looks to be another example of uh, just let them fight and destroy each other publicly.
0: Yeah. Uh, the The reaction to Trump like rejoining socials has been just like, all right, well, sure, let's see what happens. And I mean, even his truth posts haven't exactly been bangers. No, they, they, you know, at the beginning, everyone was pretty curious, but it's rare that you see a Nothing, truth post, yeah. like, bubble up to any kind of mainstream consciousness anymore. Yeah. Aside from the saying that Diamond died of a big heart. Which but was, even
1: that one, that was part of, like, the fact that there's no character limit on truth. It's like, I'm not
0: going to read all this. I'm to
1: read all this fucking shit. I was checking it more when he characters. was posting
0: directly to his website. He was posting yeah. tweets directly to
1: his website. Tweets. I mean, those were hard to find though. That website is so poorly formatted, and
0: no titles or descriptions on anything. Yeah. You just had to click the nonstop barrage of statements from President Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah.
1: But yeah, when he just launched, when Truth Social launched, it's like, okay, I'm excited to see all the screenshots of every post he makes on Truth. These are going to be bangers because this man hasn't posted anywhere in like a while, and just yeah. Kind of kind of not great. Like I mean, Realistically, especially with his recent
0: appearances, um, I mean, obviously the man's really old, but the age is really starting to show on his energy levels. Because this, he is, in every appearance I've seen him, in pretty low energy and just annoyed that he has to be up and, and moving. Yeah. The so, man might be washed. Could be. He might not have the juice. And Ron DeSantis is going to hit him hard with that. Yeah. yeah. You just don't got it, Don. We need a young, virile man. But uh, we hear you loud and clear. Stop talking about Trump and get back to the real issues. Whether or not your board apes actually belong to you when you purchase them.
1: I miss when this was an NFT channel. <laughs> well, yes. we have-
0: We have no idea if these latest issues trickle down to the mutant apes that you've created after utilizing the special serum, but we would assume that everything is fucked and you're a stupid moron if you actually own any of these monstrosities. And by the way, it is apparently the one year anniversary of Paris Hilton's appearance on Jimmy Fallon, where they robotically showed off their very cool investments.
1: Yeah, and it's actually, uh, somehow the anniversary of All My Apes Gone came and went. That was in December of 2021. Yeah, which proves that this is all
0: dead and gone. Yeah. A pipe dream that didn't pan out. We all killed the web three industry in just a year. We, and we did are it. proud of we every single one of you.
1: They say that uh, you know, the people united can never be defeated. And here clearly that's true. In this case.
0: I don't want to give you know too much credit here, but uh they did pick a fight with the wrong team. They, the gamers. They targeted gamers. They did. Uh, Anyways, here's your story about Bored Apes not belonging to you or even apparently their parent company for that matter who do they belong to? Mm.
1: According to art news by way of some recently unveiled court documents from a lawsuit where they are trying to sue someone else for using their art Yuga Labs the parent company of Bored Ape Yacht Club said in a new court filing that it does not have copyright registrations for the 10,000 images that constitute the successful NFT collection. The new documents were submitted as part of the ongoing lawsuit between Yuga and artist Ryder Rips, who used images from the Bored Ape Yacht Club collection for his own NFT collection titled RRBAYC. Uh, the reporting
0: continues, Yuga Labs, for its part, said that its copyright over Bored Ape Yacht Club images is solid, regardless of copyright registrations. Quote, lack of federal copyright registration does not mean an entity does not own copyright. When provenance is documented, like with B A Y C NFTs, copyright protection is automatic, a Yuga Labs spokesperson told Art News in a statement. It may seem odd that Yuga has stated to the court that it does not hold copyright registrations for the images. However, Rips filed a counterclaim asking for a declaration from the court that Yuga Labs didn't have any copyrights, which he believed to be relevant to his defense strategy. Yuga Labs then filed a motion to dismiss the counterclaim. And this is, uh, the Rider-Rip's thing is... uh, He just flipped them
1: to face the other way and sold them as NFTs.
0: And it was like a uh, kind of a thing to bring awareness to the fact that uh, they were using a lot of uh, white power and
1: Nazi imagery. Um, I'm still, I remain um, skeptical and unconvinced by that whole thing. There's definitely some sus elements, but uh, people got very uh, tinfoiled up for that aspect of it yeah
0: yeah we everyone has successfully uh dismantled web 3 without that which is still fine
1: like this shit sucks ass like i don't need it to be like nazi adjacent to hate it i already hate it with the full power of my hate yeah anyway it continues yuga appears to be making a move to avoid the court ruling on whether large nft collections can be copyrighted at all If the courts decide that Yuga Labs does not own copyrights to BAYC images, that could be legally problematic for the company, Eric Van Loon, partner and IP trial lawyer with law firm Nixon Peabody told Art News. If there was some language in the terms of service or if copyright was advertised when offering the NFTs for sale, that could be a real problem for Yuga Labs, Van Loon said. There's a number of claims that could be brought against them from people who bought their NFTs, such as false advertising and unfair competition. Then you'd have to let everyone know that you own one of these. Well, so take the L. Did you see their their new video game that costs like like thirteen thousand dollars to buy? And then the game is literally just like a the le-
0: Fortnite clone thing that they were showing. No, off?
1: this is a new game that's like uh, it it's basically like it's based off a level from Earthworm Jim where you're just like flying a rocket through a tunnel and trying to avoid like rocks. It's a it, my most the most interesting thing about it to me was that the trailer for the game featured about like five seconds of gameplay. and the rest was just explaining like character progression and like microtransactions and how that yeah. all works. like it's just it's it's just a new form of like gambling with just a little bit of gamification to
0: just yeah, it. but I mean, they're just hoping that a a handful of people actually pay the price for this. So yeah, they of can course recoup they their costs Those I mean kind of. We kind of peaked with all of this in like 2008 when, or so, whenever, whenever the first iPhone was released and they had that app that was literally nothing more than a status symbol. The I'm Rich app. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is just that rehashed over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, while this is just another nail in the coffin for one aspect of the very heavily marketed Web 3 universe, Microsoft might have just shoved the entire thing into the grave as they've just announced, enough of that metaverse garbage. AI is the hot new thing to annoy everyone with. Microsoft is shutting down its metaverse, which is, it's a shame because this metaverse in particular has already been shut down once before. And
1: it was one of the early ones, before people were using the term metaverse, like way before. Yeah, it was just a...
0: VR chat room, like VR chat, but uh, different. Uh, Anyways, this move is further proof that the metaverse that major companies want is not the metaverse that's actually potentially appealing to users. They all keep trying to make this about work and productivity when people just want to dress up in ridiculous costumes and hang out a la VR chat. It's You're escaping reality. You don't want to go to work in these things. The problem is there's no financial incentive for making something fun that requires constant maintenance and moderation. So they're just giving up and pivoting towards an already doomed model. Work
1: from the metaverse. Here's PC Gamer with more. You may be feeling a sense of deja vu at news that social virtual reality platform Altspace VR is being closed down. This almost happened once before, after its developers announced in 2017 they didn't have enough funding to keep the servers on. Shortly after, they were saved by Microsoft, which acquired Altspace VR in what seemed like a response to Facebook's pivot to VR. That renewed lifespan is about to end, with the announcement that Altspace VR will be sunset on March 10th. As we look to the future, the post from Team Altspace VR says, we see the opportunity for VR expanding beyond consumer into business and now have an even greater goal a more open, accessible, and secure version of immersive experiences in the metaverse. To achieve that, we have made the difficult decision to sunset the Altspace VR platform on March 10th, 2023, and shift our focus to support immersive experiences powered by Microsoft Mesh. So their reporting continues,
0: explaining the Mesh platform and showing a clear example of why fun can't exist if there's no way to monetize it. Microsoft Mesh is a mixed reality communication platform that's based on holograms using 3D captures to let people work together as if they were in the same space. It's not the social experience Altspace VR offered, however, which hosted club nights with live DJs, book launches, fashion shows, church meetings, language exchanges, stand-up comedy nights, and a lot of impromptu parties and gatherings. Microsoft Mesh is an explicitly business-oriented application of VR—one for work rather than hanging out. Remember all those things that made this unique?
1: I want to see church in the metaverse. I want to see—it's most... probably just
0: as boring as church in no, real life.
1: I, well, I want to see some like real evangelical uh, Pentecostal shit. Yeah, I that'd w- be cool. I want to see some speaking in tongues in the metaverse. Yeah, I want to see people having their illnesses healed by mega preachers and then, use he was like their are cheap well to send to then they'll them.
0: have to stop and uh complain that the uh, gigantic ugandan knuckles that's 70 yeah. feet tall is uh blocking the view of everyone in the back
1: pews yeah they just spit on me and called me the false queen anyway let's pivot now out of virtual worlds and back to our own very real very dumb world mm-hmm. because a local restaurant over in connecticut is getting <laughs> a lot of attention for the dumbest possible reason and we're just going to let you guess what that reason is. Yeah, so this is a breakfast spot called woke. And no, the owners actually had no idea that the term had become so politically charged. You know, they just said, Wait, you wake up, you eat breakfast. Woke sounds good. This is good. what happens when you never go online. Also, I can put a, an egg yolk as the O.
0: Yeah, this is literally, this is actually like wholesome. Because
1: they're just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't read the news much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, surprisingly, not everyone is engaged in an online culture war. Instead, some people simply want to provide their community with a nice meal at a decent price. (laughs) Although with with Joe Brandon's egg prices, this place might already be facing headwinds. Yeah, those golden eggs are getting more and more expensive. They really are. And uh, it's it's uh, once again it's when you look into it and it's like oh this is just another industry just um seeing how much they can get away with by claiming like we're all tightening our belts around here great like, time to wait pivot. you're still making record profits what are you talking about
0: i know there's problems with this industry as well but it's a good time to continue or start a pivot
1: to plant-based options do they have good plant-based eggs yeah sort of nah anyway here's the story from local outlet connecticut insider when owner Carmen
0: Carroga opened Woke Breakfast and Coffee on Main Street, <laughs> it is funny to say with, uh, with the, uh, everything we've talked about behind it. Uh, yeah. Woke Breakfast and Coffee on Main Street recently, she meant to convey, wake up and have a coffee, she said. The immigrant to the U.S. from Mexico said she had no idea about conservatives' use of the word as a slam on liberal overreach. Quote, I'm a Mexican, Carroga said. I don't know anything about what woke means to some people. <laughs> Residents, however, say divisions over the name have been heated. Just a word of warning, any more ridiculous comments about the name of the new breakfast place in town will be deleted. The administrator for the Coventry, Connecticut Citizens Open Forum on Facebook wrote Thursday, If you are that close-minded that you can't grasp that the name is referring to the fact that it is a breakfast establishment and nothing more, then just keep that to yourself and move on, administrator Tanya Landry-Oland wrote, quote, it's disgusting to read that residents are going to refuse to support a business that is trying to grow in our awesome little town because you don't like what they've named it without even knowing anything about how they chose that name. Just stop.
1: I love that there's a Facebook group that is just, it does for like 24-7 what uh, you know local town council meetings do once <laughs> a week or once yeah. a month. You can keep that energy going all day long. Yeah, gotta got to keep I got some things to get off my chest, and the, this town is going to hear about it. Yeah, they should just like, I mean, literally
0: create an echo chamber for the people to go yell into. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Paul Carter of Coventry, who was seated alone at a small table, also dismissed the critics, saying the name is clearly meant to convey breakfast. The restaurant's logo, Carter noted, uses a sunny-side up egg for the O. It's a very purple town, Republican Town Council member John French said of the local political divide. Still, French added, I am not a big fan of woke whatsoever. Shut up, fucking idiot. He said he would patronize the restaurant since the owner said she did not know the alternative meaning of the word. But French said the name will put off people with more center and center-right views who don't have the backstory. It's a shame, he said. But one of the things you learn not to do in business is cause controversy. In this case, woke, I believe, will hurt them. Shut up. Motherfucker, your name is French. Your name is French. Yeah. yeah why don't you go surrender again, you yeah. fucking surrender monkey? But the implication
0: is here: this, this this guy might actually have experience with ignorant Republicans making fun of a name for no legitimate reason. Oh, that's I'm right. sure
1: the early two thousands were probably real rough <laughs> for this guy.
0: Yeah. So he's he's coming from experience, being like, look, these idiots aren't gonna change.
1: Yeah. No, French like the mustard, not like the country. Oh mustard! Oh la Oh, Ooh, Poupon on your arugula salad. <laughs> Oh, do you wear mustard, uh,
0: mustard-toned clothes as well? Ridiculous.
1: Anyway, moving on. Now mm-hmm. um, we have two updates to previous ongoing stories for you. First up, Ticketmaster. Yep. Representatives for Ticketmaster got grilled in DC this week, and while well, getting yelled at by people is satisfying, we're not holding our breath for any real change unless we are proven otherwise. Though the session did provide a great example of an artist's personal experience with the ticketing and Venue Behemoth, and we think it's worth watching for anyone who still doesn't understand why this monopoly is so egregious. Uh, This is all without even mentioning their platinum or dynamic pricing models, or their own resale services, which just milks processing fees over and over and over again.
0: Oh, I do wanna point out like, I didn't mention it the other day, but one of the most like, just rage inducing parts about their like processing fees, is that uh, the higher the ticket price is, the more the processing fee is, for no reason. Yeah. Why isn't
1: the processing fee the same for a $50 ticket as it is for a $500 ticket? Um, because, do you know how much, do you know how hard the data processing for a $100 ticket is compared oh. to like a
0: $5, oh God. They, I, I guarantee you they would PR spin that as, uh, oh, well, you're just that's just rich people offsetting the cost for the cheaper processing fees that we do
2: for the cheaper tickets. Yeah, no, you know? it's,
1: it's unjustifiable. It's terrible. Anyway, here's the clip of Clyde Lawrence of the band Lawrence testifying at the recent hearing.
2: Most of the issues we face stem from the fact that Live Nation Ticketmaster often acts as three things at the same time, the promoter, the venue, and the ticketing company. Let's imagine we just played a sold-out show at a venue Live Nation owns and operates. When an artist plays these venues, they're required to use Live Nation as the promoter. Far from simply advertising, the promoter coordinates and pays the upfront costs to put together a concert, such as renting and staffing a venue, and striking a deal with the performer. Since both our pay and theirs is a share of the show's profits, we should be true partners aligned in our incentives. Keep costs low while ensuring the best fan experience. But with Live Nation not only acting as the promoter, but also as the owner and or operator of the venue, it seriously complicates these incentives. At the end of the show, costs will have eaten into most of the money made that evening and due to Live Nation's control across the industry, we have practically no leverage in negotiating them. If they wanna take 10% of the revenues and call it a facility fee, they can and have. If they wanna charge $30,000 for the house nut, they can and have. And if they wanna charge us $250 for a stack of 10 clean towels, they can and have. Once these costs, some of which went to Live Nation subsidiaries, are taken into account, the remainder is split between Live Nation and the band. In a world where the promoter and the venue are not affiliated with each other, we can trust that the promoter will look to get the best deal from the venue. However, in this case, the promoter and the venue are part of the same corporate entity. So these line items are essentially Live Nation negotiating to pay itself. Does that seem fair? The tickets were listed at $30, and our pay ended up shaking out to about $12 of each ticket. But in this hypothetical show, the fan did not pay $30 for that ticket. The fan paid $42 because Ticketmaster tacked on a 40% fee. And for the record, we've had them go as high as 82%.
0: Yeah, and it looks like there's already at least been one positive change in the wake of this recent hearing, though it was completely self-imposed by uh, the owner of some venues and not a new policy that Live Nation or Ticketmaster had enacted. One venue owner announced that uh, they'll be removing the merch cut that bands are contractually obligated
1: to hand over after a performance. That that Like, this is a thing that I didn't know about. And it's, like, so upsetting. like uh, Yeah, it's... <laughs> uh,
0: I worked uh, doing this for a very long time, and... It's like, uh, you're
1: already playing a show, bringing all these people in, and they're like, oh, well, if you want to sell merch uh, in our turf, like... On our property. going to need a taste. And uh, at least back when I, when I was working in the industry, it was 20%. It's like, I would be okay with that if the bands were given uh, an equally... An equal-sized cut of the bar tab, but uh, doesn't happen. Yeah, we're quite bringing as all much. these people in, and yeah. uh, you
0: know they're buying drinks and everything. It's it's nuts, and I'll get to. I have some some uh, stories about it afterwards. But let's le- read this uh, article first from uh, Digital Music News, uh, with more on the announcement. All venues owned or operated by Ineffable Live, Ineffable Music Group's Live division and an alternative to Live Nation, will no longer collect venue merchandise cuts from artist merch sales. This new policy goes into effect immediately at all venues and shows owned or operated by Ineffable, including the Catalyst in Santa Cruz, Ventura Music Hall, Golden State
1: Theater in Monterey, and many more. Quote, when bands go on tour, their revenue streams are almost exclusively a share of ticket sale revenue and band merchandise sales. Historically, the standard business practice in the US for music venues has been to collect a percentage of revenue generated from merch sales, explains Ineffable's official statement regarding the updated policy. The myriad of expenses bands have such as their travel production and health insurance have increased significantly in recent times the same can be said about the costs associated with printing and shipping t-shirts and other merchandise the statement continues independent touring bands that have loyal fan bases rely on support from their fans via merchandise sales to make ends meet the margins in merchandise are incredibly vital to the economic feasibility of touring
0: ineffable music sure. group yeah ineffable music group ceo thomas cussons notes We are on the ground and hearing from artists every day. We are seeing how much the costs of everything have gone up, from buses to hotels to flights. So even though the club business is a marginal business, any action we can take to help ensure a healthy, vibrant concert ecosystem is important. This industry only works if artists of all levels are able to afford to tour, Cousins continues. When artists are able to tour sustainably and fans can afford to buy a t-shirt because the all-in ticket price is reasonable, everybody wins and that seems completely level headed it seems like a level headed approach to making sure that bands will exist in the future yeah. so that you can have them in your fucking venue and yeah if you weren't already aware of this i have like legitimate years of experience with dealing with this and there's there's two types literally of literally selling merch there's two types of bands bands that want their like just give whatever you want and there's bands that are like do not give them a cent and do whatever you can to get out of it. And there was competitions between merch people to see who could, like, take the most from the venues cut. Like, this is already happening. Venues will ask for, like, 20% with the implied knowledge that they're only going to get 20, or 10% because they're going to get ripped off by the the bands. And they're not even ripped off. Just, like, it's, it, it was insane for them to come and be like, oh, you guys made, uh, I don't know, $500 or $1,000 on t-shirts tonight. Um, we're going to take $200 of that. It's ridiculous. And, uh, like, the one, like, to put, to, just to put a pin in it, if you're, if an independent band is coming through, they're probably going to rip you off, and it's going to be justified. The only
1: way that this How do they even, do that? Just, like, lying about how much they made?
0: Yeah, lying about how many T-shirts yeah. you sold or anything. Um, I, it's probably different now, because this is 15, 20 years ago. But, uh, anyways, the only way that this even makes a shred of sense, to take even the smallest cut is that uh, when you transfer from smaller venues to arenas and stadiums, then it becomes impossible for you to sell merch because there's like 10 different merch things, there's semi-trucks outside that sell it. So in that case, the venue does operate the entire thing. Mm -hmm. They have dozens of people counting in, counting out, operating all the different merch stands. In that scenario, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. But when it's one person selling t-shirts off of a coat rack in the basement of a venue, and then you ask for 20%, like, eh, you're gonna get ripped off and you deserve it.
1: Come on. Yeah. Anyway, let's round out today's show with the update you were all waiting for, an update about everyone's favorite company, MoviePass! Yeah! The Dead Don't Die. Nope. They've gone nationwide, again, and are testing out another new unlimited movie screening model, again! Woo! Does anyone think it'll be different this time? No. Well, they do, I think. Anyway, also, they've been suspiciously quiet regarding their big collaborative NFT and Web3 project that uh, was not only supposed to launch around the same time as the beta, but was also, like, going to be the cornerstone of this entire relaunch. Yeah, they're like... Weird, haven't haven't really brought that up since then. It is strange, huh. Back then, you could just say Web3 in a product pitch and... well oh, movie passes back, baby! The VCs would get their checkbooks out and be like, that's right, that's the future, but uh-huh. not so much anymore. Anyways, here's more from CNET's reporting, hopefully human reporting. Yeah, we, we don't know if this uh, was written may, by an or AI may or may not now. have been written by an AI. The new Movie Pass is expanding its beta nationwide,
0: and it's considering bringing back the hallmark All You Can Watch plan that made it famous. Just this time at a higher price than ten dollars. The nationwide beta is currently available to anyone who signed up for the service's waitlist last summer. Damn it, I should have signed up. (laughs) MoviePass CEO Stacey Spikes told Insider that those joining the beta may experience some glitches that engineers are working on, and a wider relaunch is expected this summer. Um, Who's ready to be confused about their pricing all over again? Let's do it, let's go. Well, it's actually pretty simple, duh. Here's the article again.
1: This new version of MoviePass uses a credit-based system instead of flat rate pricing with plans varying based on geographic region. The New York City based plans that I'm able to see start at a $20 basic level for 68 credit what which MoviePass says should translate to 1 to 3 films per month. The most expensive plan offered is the $60 Pro level which MoviePass says should allow should <laughs> allow for one movie per day under the equivalent of 1240 credits unused credits will roll over up to a maximum of two months worth based on the selected plan. Outside of New York, MoviePass says its cheapest plan could be as low as $10, could. The nationwide expansion is the latest step towards the rebirth of MoviePass after Spikes purchased the brand in November, 2021.
0: You seem pretty skeptical. A lot about of this.
1: uncertainty <laughs> in your own pitch here. Not a lot of concrete uh, figures. And, I, love, uh, I love the idea. That could get you, I don't know. We've, two or three movies a month.
0: This is a, a a model that has been roundly protested for decades. The the like confusing credit system, which is used a lot in video games still, yeah. where you have to just buy a bunch of credits and then, whoa, oh my God, you're two credits short. I guess you're going to have to get another bundle. And but, also the rollover shit, yeah. which was so hated that even the most powerful companies in the world, like AT&T yeah, and all of them, got rid of it.
1: Well, but you're going to love this. Every month on the 1st, uh, we send you a little video clip of a man with three cups and one ball. And he covers that ball with one of the cups. And, well, he does he does his thing. And at the end, if you pick the cup that has the ball in it, mm-hmm. um, you can roll over your credits. For one extra month, you could roll over your oh, credits. Could. You could maybe, maybe roll over yeah, your credits for yeah, we'll one see. extra month. Who says, uh, we you know? But if Good
0: you, things might happen. If you pick the cup that doesn't have the ball under it, then someone else gets your rollover credits. That's right. We're yes. bringing gambling to MoviePass. Yeah, it's the gamification, the gamblification of MoviePass
1: is the only way to save it. We're Because legally, it's not gambling if it's carnival games. I'm pretty sure that's the case. I have I need to talk to a lawyer, but I'm they, pretty sure oh at least it's legal to gamble on carnival games.
0: MoviePass should make it so you can see unlimited movies a month, but in order for each movie purchase, you have to play one of those old web shockwave flash games and complete it, like the... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Stick, uh, stick Fighter. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, candy game where it's mini golf. Uh, yeah. Where you bounce off the different candies. Uh, all kinds of old cool games that you have to complete in order to go see the movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of ways to make this work. Stacy, give us a call. And look, you're already confusing your audience. Let's confuse them more.
0: Also, Stacy Spikes should buy Spike back from Paramount. Yeah, we really
1: Spike's TV. We're, we're we're turning back into Paramount. We're we're canceling Yellowstone. Nobody watches that shit. It's a, all of it. Why are we? Why do we have like four Yellowstone shows? Come on, we get it. It's up there. Yeah, it's a national park. <laughs> it's beautiful. Sure, you're done. We're bringing back Spike TV. We're bringing back the Guys Awards every year, where the guys <laughs> can, uh, the guys can vote. We're getting Mark McGrath up there. Yeah. to give the award for you know hottest boobs. Yeah, big best boobs of the year. It is. Uh, um it's not funny because i do
0: appreciate the beautiful natural landscape of uh wherever the hell it takes place wyoming or montana or whatever wyoming but uh uh just like with breaking bad yellowstone has really hit a peak in its fourth season and just like breaking bad they're getting a lot of unwanted tourism because of its popularity and it's actually going to have someone's gonna get fucking
1: killed the the people at least in Montana, the people there are very fucking hostile to anyone, especially yeah. Californians. Well, like, the,
0: the show explains that yeah. in multiple different plot lines, and it's basically creating its own fate. Like, yeah. people are going to want to go there and see the things from the show,
1: Yeah,
0: those things mostly being fields. And if that is what get people out of the house and into nature, then great, I guess. But, like, I do love that it's so far away that, like, to get to, like, the Dutton farm or whatever, like, you kind of do have to be committed yeah but uh you're gonna see uh entire fields with uh gates around them just like that house from breaking bad people are gonna be tossing bodies off the railroad station in the show if you haven't seen it that's they where they get dispose it? of their dead bodies
1: oh wow they kill a lot of people right they killed like half the town
0: oh my god the show goes really off the
1: rails in season two this is like every, is like Sons of Anarchy and like The Shield is like at a certain point, it's like, uh, is anyone, does anyone care that all, like dozens of people have been killed? It's also, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, they have to get wacky with it. It's
0: like uh, an extended version of the movie, uh, what is it, Jingle All the Way? Mm-hmm. Where a movie that is completely based in reality for the first three quarters of the movie, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger can literally fly and yeah. bite, battle actual villains.
1: Anyway, um, back to MoviePass, Movie yeah. didn't they plan on implementing some kind of advertising model that tracks your eyeballs to make sure that you're watching all of the ads to full completion? They're going to be really upset when they see what NVIDIA Broadcast has released in their latest update. Because,
0: uh, Stacey Spikes smashing. Damn smashing it. It. Yeah, he's going to be wearing the barrel next.
1: Anyway, if you're not sure what the hell we're talking about, good news. We have a video, a whole episode about tech news that... Yeah. We'll pop up on the side of our faces in just a second. It's all about AI and its consequences. But first, be sure to like, favorite, subscribe, um, share, post to dig. uh, (laughs) um, Yes, make sure it's dug
0: up. uh, Uh, Stumble upon, make sure it's listed on stumble upon.
1: Absolutely. And make sure that you head to the link in the description below to hear us on the most recent episode of the Insurgents podcast, where we talk at length about whether or not Candy needs to be sexy. And you have to pay for that privilege. You do. Yeah. But it supports a good team. They give you a little eight-minute sample where you can decide whether it's worth uh, your money or not. It's It's, it's a good podcast. It's going to keeping actual uh,
0: independent journalism afloat. So you should uh, definitely do it if you want to check out that episode. And then, you know what? You get more episodes. There you go. It's a good show. Anyways, uh, our episodes are now up on the side of the screen. You can take a look at those. Uh, If not, uh, we'll see you soon for some weekly weird news. Bye-bye. Bye.